Hello and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who knows nothing about anime, Malcolm Cloud. And joining us once again is Spetsnik. How are you? I'm doing all right, you know, just sitting here waiting for the podcast. And uh, I had a, it, was a, it was a good movie. This is a nice movie. This has been a movie I've been really excited for Malcolm to watch. I feel like we've, me and Malcolm have talked about doing this one for a while and it just kept getting pushed for whatever reason. Yeah, well, um, we kind of we like, you know, we did like the April Fool's episode. We did like, you know, the Halo episode. We like we did some stuff that was like timed to certain things. And that you know, as well, you get, a, you know, other guests come in with like their ideas. So you want to honor what they're bringing to the table. But sometimes it's nice to go back. And we obviously covered Lupin in the past. So it's like it's a return. So, um, yeah, for those just joining in, if you want to hear the full history of Lupin, uh, check out our uh, previous episode. It's like close to 50 episodes back uh, on Lupin the Third Part Four. Um, so I'm just going to give a brief history segment on this specific movie. Um, so the creator of Lupin the Third, Monkey Punch, he had wanted a 3D CG Lupin movie for quite some time. However, he had died in April of 2019, and the project would not be revealed to the public until June of that year. Um, this, was, this film was the first Lupin feature film since Lupin the Third, Dead or Alive, which was released in 1996. And it was produced by TMS Entertainment and Marza Animation Planet. Um, so yeah, Monkey Punch, for, for those unaware, that's a pen name, of course. And I, he was like 93 when he died. But... Um, the project itself had been in development since like 2015. So I'm sure you saw it like test footage or whatever. Um, but he did not get to see the finished film, unfortunately. But I mean, I mean, if he lived till like, you know, his 80s or 90s, that's like he still had a great life. And he got to see his work get adapted into a lot of other mediums. I mean, as we talked about in that uh, previous Lupin episode, there is a lot of Lupin. <laughs> there is a lot of it. Um, so that, I mean, there's there's audio dramas, there's multiple musicals, there's a live action Lupin movie, a live action uh, Inspector Zenigata spinoff, and that's just uh, me just recalling what uh, what we covered. I forgot that there was the musicals, which I think would have been funny if this one had like a musical like interlude in the middle of it. That um, would be it, and it would be very um, it, you know, it'd be almost kind of like a Temple of didn't Temple of Doom have a musical opening at the beginning or something? I haven't seen Temple of Doom in such a long time. But, you know, it would have been, would have been Spielbergian so. uh, to some extent. Well, it's interesting uh, you say Spielbergian because this, like, the animation style for this movie kind of inspired, or not, uh, kind of reminded me of, like, Spielberg's uh, Tintin movie. Yeah, some, some American critics uh, mentioned that for sure. I could totally see that, especially if you saw that first instead of this. Yeah, um, I mean, I saw the Tintin movie when it I don't came think out. I've, I don't think I've seen it. Maybe I have, but I can't remember. It's yeah. I mean, it came out like ten plus years ago. So, as of the recording of this podcast, so Takashi Yamazaki he initially signed on to just write the screenplay, but he ended up directing the film as well. And Yamazaki uh, has had an interesting career, having won Best Director and Best Screenplay at the Japan Academy Awards with the live-action film Always Sunset on Third Street. Uh, that film came out in 2006 and was successful enough to become a trilogy, which he directed each installment of. And he's also directed blockbuster Japanese live action films, such as the two part adaptation of the anime Parasite the Maxim. So uh, Yamazaki has some connections to this podcast already. Um, so he's done a number of uh, live action anime adaptations. But in 2011, he got involved in directing CG animated movies. Uh, and Loop on the Third is his fourth in that medium, and he has already directed a fifth. So he's uh, he's become kind of the go-to uh, CG animation director uh, for Japan. 
That's so fascinating. Like the fact, like you don't see that a lot, at least in like North America. You see, I feel like people kind of stick to a lane. Obviously, we just mentioned Spielberg, you know, did this kind of quasi animated movie. You know, you got like Robert Zemeckis with like Beowulf and like Polar Express. And then maybe, you, what is it? You get like Zack Snyder. He did that like Guardians Owls movie. Yeah. And I mean, like Guillermo del Toro produces a lot of animation, uh, but he hasn't really direct a ton of it. Or I'm not sure he's that no. even had like I mean, a full. I think the Pinocchio movie might be his first in directed animated movie. But yeah, you don't maybe like there's a few like directors who started in animation who then like make the leap to live action. Like Brad Bird is sort of the big, big name that I can think of going from like Iron Giant and The Simpsons to. Oh, I was going to add. Isn't Tim Burton also one of those people too? He is. He kind of is, but he isn't. Again, like even the Nightmare Before Christmas, which everyone associates with him, he didn't actually direct that. He produced it. Oh, um, yeah. he, he directed Corpse Bride. Oh, and that. Well, he also did what is it, Frankenweenie? Okay, yeah. So that's two though. But this guy, this guy's done uh, five. Yeah. This, this no. guy's done five. That's five is a lot. That's not two. That's five. Yeah, that's true. Like that's it's that's a career shift. Like that's like oh, I'm gonna go and like. I'm going but, into this now but, because but, like, uh, animation is so much more time consuming than like a live action. Movie. But he actually has a, a live action film uh, releasing this year as well. So again, I mean, I, I think, you know, you look at someone like Takashi Miki who can just somehow crank out a hundred films <laughs> and he's still very much alive. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's that well, pipeline. You, I think there's certain directors like the live action, like a Takashi Miki or even now Clint Eastwood where they just like, they seem like they're just like one take uh snipers like all they're doing is just like one take okay to the next shot to the next shot like they don't give a shit like as long as you can get the lines out correctly they're like we're moving on (laughs) yeah so this movie it released in december of 2019 in japan it only made 11 million dollars but it's not considered a flop so that just tells you um how cheap this was compared to say a pixar movie which i think are in like the hundreds of millions at this point um, and yet, I, I, as we're going to talk a lot, this movie looks fucking gorgeous. Uh, just straight up, guys. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. I, I, the, the CG, the computer graphics was, it was amazing. I, compared to the, the, the last podcast I was with you guys, the, um, <laughs> which one was that? That was well, well, the it cult was that- one. Yeah, we. Oh, cool. oh yeah. Well, yeah, that was, remember, was that, which is one of my favorite episodes because of just like how insane the happy science cult is. I highly recommend it. if you haven't listened to that episode, go check that one out. Uh, Shane's the guest there. Yeah, I mean that one. It's like that's cult propaganda that's done on like as cheaply as possible by like a cult member. <laughs> this is yeah. a professional production based yeah. on a highly like popular series of like manga. It sounds like, yeah. So when I when I watched it, I was like, okay, this is the CGI. The just the quality of the animation is like amazing. Like from what I've seen so far in the anime scene. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Malcolm, we we just recently covered the Final Fantasy uh, movie, which came out in like two thousand, two thousand one, or whatever. And so that's that's why I wanted to make these kind of counterpart uh, episodes because that one is was again like the first full-blown CG adult animated movie. Uh, but that's going for a much more realistic style. And this is doing the opposite. It just wants to be a, you know, CG anime. And I think we we can all agree it's incredibly successful in that regard. Yeah, well, well, the Spirits Within movie is like, it's like flirting on this line of like, we're, we're Final Fantasy, but we're not. We're American, but we're not. Like, it's just like, it's so weird. And like, 
it's i mean it's it's not worth watching but it's worth like maybe like watching a trailer <laughs> because it's why it's so weird but yeah but this one it's like clearly they know like what they're doing they're not trying to make like this like high art in the sense of like it's a heist movie like this is just a heist story like it plays into the tropes it's it's very well done it's got the twists you know but you know they do a good job with the cgi although some of the faces uh did remind me of those like <laughs> i can't believe i'm saying this um is it reminded me like the faces like in the eye is particular reminded me of those ads you see on like porn websites where it's like i'm yeah, it's like come in thirty seconds, and it's like usually just like this like terrible like porn parody of like Frozen or something like that. And it was like for whatever reason that it's the eyes were the same. I'm like, are these people like on the side making these things? Because like I don't know who makes them. I don't know why they're there. I don't know who it's for. Those ads like those ads are fucking creepy and just like just rolling your eyes. You're like, and they always get they always get past the ad blockers. It's just so. But uh, but that's a sidebar. I didn't stare enough into the eyes of these characters uh, to compare, nor do I stare into the eyes of those uh, other ads to compare. So um, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're just, just like skip ads, skip ads, skip ads. Um, but no, I mean, I think, and you know, it's kind of funny because this is not a Ghibli movie, of course. Um, although f- the most famous Lupin movie is uh, Castle of Cagliostro, having uh, been the feature directorial debut of Hayao Miyazaki. Um, but Ghibli has a temp studio Ghibli just came out with a movie, um, called the earwig and the witch, which was directed by, uh, Miyazaki's son Goro. And if you compare the animation of that to this movie, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it look, the, the Ghibli movie looks like a PS2 game, but it's just so much more stiff and lifeless compared to this. I think this is the highest bar of CG, uh, anime there is currently. I mean, I haven't obviously seen this other one. Maybe we'll cover it on the podcast just to... Well, you never know, right? We uh, we get there. Uh, who knows? But, um, yeah. I mean, okay, that makes sense. Like, like, yeah. Like, it's... Like I said, like, I think an apt comparison... Shane, did you ever watch the Tintin movie? I never watched the Tintin movie. It just... Yeah, I really... It didn't seem bad. like my thing. It's too bad because, like, the Tintin movie, like, in this movie have very similar, like stylist like that's stylistically very similar in terms of how the animations played out and so like there's definitely a part of me that's like kind of when i was watching this kind of kept comparing it because again tintin is a little bit you know these are like heist-ish stories they're like you know it's sort of this like heist meets like you know uncharted like you know adventure stories uh and like yeah it was just very similar uh although like uh, i will admit that the tintin movie uh, steals a pretty iconic scene from the first uh, Uncharted movie. Uh, not Uncharted movie, the Uncharted game, uh, which involves like, you remember in the Uncharted game, they go down, like you're playing it. Have you, yeah, you both have played Uncharted, right? I played it, but I've Uncharted played. 1, I've only played Uncharted 1 once and I actually didn't really like it because uh, I yeah. played it well, after I played Uncharted well, 2. And You probably very- remember the like iconic scene where you're like driving down like the town that's like kind of on the cliff and you're like dodging things and you got to like move the car around and like things are flying at you and you're like trying to get to the end of the like the town to the wards the water malcolm what you've just described are sequences that are in every single uncharted game <laughs> yeah i mean it's that's the thing it's an iconic like but the thing was in the first one it's like the most iconic yeah i know <laughs> but it's like that was like they did a like a one shot that was basically the exact same thing in the tintin movie um 
and it was just like, oh, this clearly this group has been playing uh, Uncharted. But I don't know. This will all get cut because this has nothing to do with Lupin. <laughs> anyway, so um, this movie, it opens up in Nazi-occupied France. This is also um, one of the few Lupin movies or Lupin works to actually specifically date itself. Most of, I mean, I've watched the recent Lupin anime and they're um, just kind of set generically in present day. They have cell phones and shit. Um, but this one, no, it starts off in Nazi-occupied France, well, and then yeah, based on the twist at the, yeah. near the end of this movie, oh I yeah, like, this can't this can't possibly be um uh, like this set now. Oh, I love oh I love the fucking twist, but we'll get to that uh, much later. Um, but yeah, no, so and it and they even say in dialogue that uh, like ten ten plus years have passed because of uh, our character, our lead character, who is not Lupin, I would argue, uh, is Leticia, and at this point, uh, she's a baby. Her uh, her grandfather and parents um, are basically uh, the Nazis have come for them because her her grandfather Professor Brisson has this uh, diary that's like this, this clockwork diary um, and there's some secret or whatever and the Nazis kill him and uh, also unfortunately her parents are also killed in the ensuing car crash yeah. and there's a, there's a terrible asshole man named Lambert uh, Professor Lambert who sucks. <laughs> Uh, he steals an amulet, but he can't get the diary because uh, that was lost during the chase. And so we then cut to the 1960s where the diary is at this exhibition in Brisson's honor. And uh, this is where we see Lupin. He's uh, he's trying to steal it. Um, he sends... Uh, he, he lists, Oh, wait, no. First, first of all, we didn't talk about the intro. The in- I fucking love the James Bond intro they do for this, guys. What about you? Oh yeah, the intro was definitely um, it was amazing. As the kids say, it slaps. No, and I mean that that intro music it comes from the second series of Lupin. It's also been repeated in a number of other Lupin series, so it is very much um, kind of a recurring thing in the franchise. And also, the title of this film is Lupin the Third, the First, and the reason they call it the First, I think for sure, is you know this is this is seen as a new introduction to Lupin for a new audience, effectively. So they very much want you to kind of have the key elements of Lupin and be like, hey, guys, you don't know what Lupin is. This is a great uh, movie to start with, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was my first time watching Lupin. I've never seen it before, so it was interesting uh, introduction to it. Yeah. yeah, it's also interesting because it's so much, uh, it's radically different from like the Lupin, like obviously the other big famous Lupin story is the Omar Sy movie. Uh, not movie, it's a television show on Netflix. Um, which is like based on the same character. It's like sort of the same, I you know, um, same character from like historical. Yeah, Ar- Arsène Lupin, um, who in this in this movie they make it explicitly clear was the grandfather of our Lupin, uh, Lupin the Third. Because sometimes mm-hmm. in sometimes in some adaptations it's more ambiguous as to whether Lupin the Third is actually the grandson, but in here. Uh, it's very much a legacy, which I I didn't I didn't pick up on until after like I looked up at, but yeah I mean it's I love that sort of stuff of just like no this character is like the grandson of that character and like it's like honoring it with like the tradition of what that character stood for and like I don't know there was just like some pretty endearing moments there uh, that kind of make like because Lupin is like you know sort of that gentleman thief stereotype of he's just like you know he's not. He's not too sexually aggressive. He's not like... Oh, Malcolm. Oh, Malcolm. This uh, this is a great thing for me to jump into. Um, There are the the initial versions. 
versions of Lupin, like James Bond, Lupin is a much worse man. <laughs> Lupin is very sexually aggressive. Okay, yeah, I guess like since the, what this, uh, if I remember correctly, this Lupin's was started being published in like the sixties or seventies. Right? It was the sixties, and it was in like gentlemen's magazines, like kind of like Playboy style <laughs> magazines. Yeah, um, general, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ironically uh, enough, for a, a character who would be described as a gentleman thief. There's an adaptation of Lupin. I think we're definitely going to have to cover it at some point. Um, the woman called Fuchiko Mine. Um, it came out in 2013, and it's much darker than this or the other Lupin we covered. Uh, and that Lupin, that Lupin does fuck, uh, as does every other character. <laughs> well, that was uh, the thing. I was that was probably the one surprising element here. You're like, oh, this guy's not fucking. <laughs> Well, again, it's like, you know, different versions of James Bond, you know, some, you know, we, we've had the Craig era, which was kind of tougher, although he becomes more, more of a romantic by the end of it. You know, you get the Roger Moore era, uh, you get the bad man <laughs> era with, with, um, Connery, of course. Uh, and who knows what the next era will you bring. Get, you get the era that never happened, which was the George Lazenby era, which is one movie from, he was, uh, like. Are, you know, um, but apparently here's the story with George Lazenby. I maybe I've said it on the podcast before, but apparently he's the only giant actor to play James Bond who like goes to like different like conventions and like, you know, and sort of like the fan expos and like all the like comic cons and stuff to do signings. Uh, and then apparently uh, he just like beds all the older women that show up. <laughs> Good for him. Good because for that. So, because his story is the only reason he became James Bond, and he's like one of the, yeah, is that he was, at the time that they cast the movie, he had been named like the sexiest man on the planet. And so the mm -hmm. producers of the movie, he had never acted before. <laughs> so the producers of the movie were like, we'll just get this guy. He's Australian. It sounds close enough. And so that's why he's in the one movie and he's terrible at it. <laughs> I've, I've, you know what? I've seen some rankings of Bond movies and I've seen this movie actually, uh, Pretty high up in there, so I don't know. I've yeah, never seen maybe, it. I'm, maybe I gotta like rewatch it. Like I, I think why people say it's terrible is because it's like he only got to do the one. Yeah, uh, but I maybe, you could maybe probably make an argument that like you know there was there's probably there was worse like there was probably there was worse like Timothy Dalton movies than the one he did. So then there's there's also worse Pierce Brosnan movies. Uh, like Lupin. Well, you don't love <laughs> you didn't love when he uh, Pierce Brosnan surfed into North Korea like that. What an iconic moment in hit the history of cinema. That's a Lupin move. Lupin the Third would would surf into North Korea if he had to. I like the twist where um a a a. a Korean dictator becomes a white man. That was a uh, that was that was totally not a dated thing. Although I guess they make up for it by you know having uh, you know Halle Berry in there. But um, I don't know. Anyways, uh, Lupin, 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 like James Bond. There's definitely some low points in the Lupin franchise. But uh, we this is not a Lupin soul podcast, so we're only going to probably cover uh, the one more series, um, the woman called Fujiko Mie, because I do think that series is nuts in a, in an interesting way. Um, but yeah, so we are we're in the 1960s. Lupin, uh, this is this is a thing Lupin does. He gives the uh, he gives uh, the security guard a note that says uh, he receives a note from Lupin saying uh, he's here to steal the diary. And then there's one uh, security guard lady who who gets wise to it, and it turns out Lupin himself is another security guard, and he has like a fake mask or whatever on it. Um, uh, Inspector Zenigata bursts in, uh, and then Lupin uses some device on his cufflink to, to create a bunch of gas and escape away. And we get this really fun sequence where everyone's just trying to get the diary. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought that uh, intro of when he was 
taking the diary because he tears away his outfit just like a stripper. That was <laughs> yeah, that was uh, quite interesting for him to do that. Yeah, uh, and he just you know I've seen this in other movies too where they they are they have generous use of the uh, these masks that make you look exactly like the person, but then when you take it off, they don't look like anything. Another part I liked as well was how when he's escaping, the cops just start shooting immediately at him, and they damage. I mean, there's no idea of like damaging the chandelier or anything of that going on at the moment. Yeah, that yeah. didn't make me laugh where it was just like, he's like, gotta shoot, like, fire. And then they're just firing up at the chandelier. This, this I really is... wanted him to, like, jump off the sh- like the chandelier, like, out the window. And then, like, the chandelier just, like, falls and crushes someone. <laughs> yeah, this, this is a movie that also is uh, very much not violent. I think it, it must have been rated PG or something. Um, because, yeah, I mean, it's it's very much that type of violence where there's like a lot of shooting, a lot of firing. But and also the fact that, you know, one character has a sword, but he doesn't cut someone in half. No, he only cuts like <laughs> automobiles in half. <laughs> he, he cuts automobiles and he chops off their clothes so they're naked. So, yeah, this, oh, and he also chops later on the uh, the wing of the one plane. Yeah. Yeah, he can do that. But no one no one's losing their hands. I've seen some Lupin where he does fuck uh, some people up, though, but what not I- in this version. When I saw him cut through the the armored bus, I was I wrote a note down like, "What is this sword made out of? Is it made of like adamantium or something?" But we do find out later. Yeah, it's uh, made out of a special substance that lets them uh, uh, go through a make a little bridge or whatever, which is cool. Um, yeah, Goemon uh, is is the world's best swordsman, of course. Um, is I guess is Jigen the world's best marksman? I don't know about the other characters. Um, Lupin is the world's greatest thief. Uh, Fujiko Mine is, uh, I don't know what she's the world's greatest at, but she must be good at something. Uh, she's got booba. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> she's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, she's, she's really good at like coming in at the end and being like, look what I found and then just leaves. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I like the sequence where, um, Lupin, uh, takes the diary and then our our lead character Leticia she gets the diary and then eventually uh Fujiko Mine she gets the diary so it's just this kind of fun back and forth and it well, just you know the, yeah well the we forgot that like it's all happening on the rooftop but um the who is it you just mentioned uh, Fujiko Mine um yeah it's that she's coming in from a helicopter like that no one's acknowledged up to this point i don't know if you've been around helicopters ever they're fucking loud <laughs> like, yeah I, she's so she's dangling on there and she's like yoink and then just like flies up and it's like oh what a fun time yeah when, yeah when lupin had the diary and like she just shows up and yanks it out of his hand i'm like how does he not know hear a helicopter flying that close to the ground near him Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just not enough, and it's, yeah, the ladder was not long enough to be to really mask it. <laughs> um, but I but appreciated yeah. the visual of it. I thought it was like a funny gag of just like, yeah, it's it's just the you know the passing of the diary and everyone trying to get it. Uh, and you know, Fujiko has her own motivations, um, which I the thing about this movie, I I get how they use you know. See, yeah, no, I just feel like I, I kind of wished the, the, the core Lupin cast could have been developed further, especially if you're like looking for them, especially if their intent was that this would be a, an intro piece to the franchise, if you know what I mean. Like, why not have some more Jigen or, or Goemon um, 
stuff in there. I mean, they do cool shit for sure, but it's not, it's not, I mean, Malcolm, I don't think you, you, you truly understood Goemon or Jigen's plight. Did you? No, not at all. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's focused on Leticia. You know all about Leticia, you know, her backstory. Uh, and then of course, in typical uh, Lupin way, they always have to find an excuse for the original character to not come with Lupin. It's like, Oh, we've had this whole adventure, but uh, no, yeah. you cannot come. <laughs> because our next movie or TV show uh, will not feature you. Sorry. Bye. Well, I like that, like, at well, just jumping at, at the end, you know, because it looks like they're going to kiss, and then, like, they don't. Um, but it, she, I like that Lubin's like, I'll see you in five years. <laughs> like, just, like, a very innocuous, like, oh, I guess, like, there's the, like, it leaves the thread of some, like, of a return, but obviously it's enough time that it's, like, you know, things happen, and, like, you know, lives move on, and Obviously, with this one, it's like your dream, you know, her dream uh, was to become a like archaeologist like your grandfather. And so now she gets to do that uh, in just in Boston. I like that they were just they couldn't name like Harvard or like or like MIT or any of those places. So just like you got into the Boston College, which is actually a place. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the sequence where Lupin is freed is fucking dope, guys. Like, oh, my God. Uh, where he's where he's uh, with Zeni, where he's captured by Zenigata, and they free him from the truck. Oh my god, that's just a animation highlight. Wait, so um, what was the inspector's name? Zenigata. Zenigata. Okay, yeah. I, I, they, I don't think they ever said his name out in the entire movie. They they call him Pops a lot, um, because that's his nickname. Yeah, I, I, yeah, they said Pops, but I don't know. I, I know he's Zenigata because I've watched quite a bit of Lupin. The freeing scenario, the freeing. Uh, Lupin scene. I kept, I, I just kept looking at the uh, the car that they were driving, and so I had to look it up. And actually, it's like a, it's a Fiat like 500, I think, which is a movie also used another heist thriller called The Italian Job with Michael Caine. Oh fuck! Of course. So I just thought that was a pretty interesting thing. I, 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 I did look into a little bit with Lupin three, and I guess they used different cars earlier before. Oh. That must be an intentional uh, choice. That must be. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. It's interesting because yeah, I think because the Italian job would have come out in like the 60s, 70s. So like, it's obvious that like that's got to be an inspiration because it's such an iconic movie. Like the, at least the one with Michael Caine, the Mark Wahlberg one from like the 2000s. But <laughs> the, the, mini, the Mini Cooper one. Yeah, the ones where they, yeah, where you're like the studio has a deal with Mini Cooper, so you, let's uh, let's shoehorn it into this. I mean, uh, the Lupin wears its references on its sleeve, so I think that's definitely an intentional thing. It's funny, I, I you know what I was thinking about Lupin really reminds me of um, from you know Army of the Dead and then also Army of Thieves, like those two movies. I, from I only Apple. saw the first. I only saw the first one, so you I don't know, know. There's I'll... the character uh, Ludwig, right? Okay. Uh, he gives you uh, Lupin vibes? Yeah, he gives me Lupin. Like, he feels like kind of a live-action Lupin character. I don't okay. know about you, Shane. I know you've seen those movies. Yeah, we both watched it. You and I on date night. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so we watched it. Um, yeah, didn't you? Would you agree? Like, um, uh, Dietje, uh, yeah, Ludwig is very Lupin-esque. I, I don't know. I don't get that vibe from Lupin or Ludwig. Really? Because I, I thought of just him as like know. kind of over the top sort of goofy guy. I mean, he obviously in Army of Thieves, he's obsessed with like like safe cracking. Like that's the difference. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't we can know cut this part certain... out if this. I thought I thought I had a whole thing. Going no, it's like kind I don't of, think um, I don't think 
are similarities beyond the fact that they're thieves. Um, yeah, caught it. <laughs> um, so Leticia's deal is that uh, Lambert is her adoptive grandfather, and he's the one who ordered her to steal the book in the first place. Um, and then, yeah, as we talked about, Leticia really wants to go to Boston University to study archaeology. That's her dream. Uh, and Lambert can make that happen if she uh, she helps him. La- Lambert is a bad man. Lambert deserves what happens to him, guys. He's a bad man. I mean, he's a Nazi. All Nazis are bad. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was um, going to say, like, well, yeah, is he like a that's full not a very on... hard thing to be like, this Nazi bad man. I think this Nazi's a bad guy. <laughs> oh, I thought he was just a Nazi sympathizer. I didn't know he was like a full-blown Nazi. No, he's a Nazi. I did a little bit of Googling. And the Ananurbe was like a uh, oh okay is a um, Nazi research uh, think tank basically uh, headed created by Heinrich Himmler, I mean who <laughs> is the Reichsführer of the SS. So basically, well, Ananurbe <laughs> was all about like Aryan uh, discovery and all that stuff. Well then, okay, he's definitely he's definitely beyond a bad man. He's a fucking Nazi piece of shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Fujiko, Fujiko is also low-key working with the Nazis, although, um, thankfully, it turns out this is also part of her own ruse, where she's just trying to place a tracker, uh, which then gets her kidnapped, uh, or captured by them, and then Lupin himself, he, he gets in it with Leticia, uh, he helps her, like, crack the, the whole code to the diary, and it turns out the code... Um, was L? It was like what LTA, right? I don't uh, remember was, the code. Oh, you there don't was, remember the code? It was. I, mean, I just. It, rem- I remember his explanation for the code. It's uh, La Tisha. That was the. It, the yeah, it was. It was basically her name. It was a five. It was an eight-letter combo with only five words, five letters that they could choose from, and that basically was her name to unlock the. Gotcha. Yeah. Thanks for that clarification. Um, and that's the thing, Leticia. Her her name comes from her mother. Uh, which comes from their mother, mother before her. It's like a name that that runs in the the lady side of the family. Yeah, no, it's because she like makes the point that like all the daughters born in her family all have the same name. Uh, one thing I did like, and I didn't know it was actually a real thing, was the Nazis were fl- had a flying boat plane, and I mean many countries did have that, but I did Google it, and it actually was a real thing. Uh, it's called the Blumen Vaz BV two 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 or the BV two 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 Viking. Okay, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Um, so I don't so know enough it, about like guns and stuff, though. Oh, oh my god, don't even get me started on the guns in the movie. The fact that the Nazis still were carrying STG 44s in like the 60s, I mean, like, come on, at least go for like a French made gun or go with like a modern day German gun or at least an M16. But come on, STG 44s <laughs> in the 60s. Yeah, that seems like yeah. It would have been. It would have made more sense for them to have a French gun because they were in like France and like you know. It, yeah, again, it's like modern times, or at least modern sixties yeah. times. I'm I not mean, saying like, yeah. like from that era. But yeah, it's definitely. I mean, it, for me, it's like part of that. Like, I kind of like that detail from the uh, movie. It's just like the arrogance of like we can't even move away from like the advanced guns. Like we've got to use the like the guns that like we had when we came into power. Uh, when I say we, I'm talking about the Nazis in this movie, uh, not <laughs> not me personally. Uh, yeah, and so I kind of like that, but yeah, at the same time, it's not effective, and it doesn't really make sense. Oh, it's uh, but, highly. Yeah. That, I like that detail. I like I like the idea that yeah, they would be so arrogant to just u- use their own shitty weapons from that time. 
Oh yeah, it's highly ineffective, especially considering the cartridge they would need to use for the ammunition. It's, they would need. <laughs> I don't even understand how they would manufacture that. Well, they got they they kept some of the infrastructure when they all like I don't know went to fucking Brazil or something. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's where I, where where essentially went they, when they when anytime you see like. You know, Nazis have escaped to South America. They all ended up in Brazil. <laughs> I mean, it's always sometimes been Argentina. Argentina. Oh, sorry, I guess Argentina. Argentina has always been the classic. But when they said Brazil, I was like, okay, interesting choice there. Yeah, I guess yeah. Argentina was like, please, <laughs> we can't keep this going. Um, yeah, I meant Argentina when I was saying it earlier. But yeah, I think Brazil is in this movie. So, so when they open the diary, it's revealed that uh, the the diary is like the key to this device called the Eclipse. And uh, the uh, the very much I didn't much understand al- the eclipse. I didn't really I didn't, get the power. I mean, it was like a black a, hole, right? It's That's a black hole it, generator, and yes, I, I don't really know yeah. the origins of it. Like, it's, okay, so it, maybe I did understand it. <laughs> okay, I think you, you understood the most important part. It's like black hole, anti gravity, some type of bullshit. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. they, they didn't go into like how this device even existed. Like, is this like uh, alien technology or or whatever? Uh, I mean, it just. It leads to some cool sequences. That's what's important. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just basically the, the guy from the History Channel, Ancient Aliens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> aliens. Um, even though this this movie definitely has some Indiana Jones vibes, it does not take from Indiana Jones 4 uh, by having aliens appear at the end. Yeah, definitely that. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think you're always like once you start getting into like these like Nazis as villains in like an adventure movie. You're always gonna like compare it to like Temple of Doom, right? Yeah. Or no? There's no. They're not in Temple of Doom. Are they in the Lost Ark? Lost Ark. They're they're in Lost Ark and the Last Crusade. So anyway, I um, can see that being like, yeah, obviously you've thrown that into a comparison. But yeah, the the very much alive Adolf Hitler um, is intending to use the Eclipse to resurrect the Third Reich. Um, We'll we'll see how that Hitler twist plays out. so anyways, um, Geralt, or is it Geralt? Yeah, no, it's I, Geralt. I, I thought it was, uh, is it Geralt? Geralt. Geralt. I don't know. It says Geralt on uh, Wikipedia. They don't say his name. He's another one of those characters where they don't really say his name. They just said his name at like the very last act of the movie. I just referred to him as Nazi with Scar. Basically, Scarface. Nazi Scarface. Yeah, he's, he, he gives me an Ivan Drago vibe. Um, less big, but you know what I mean. It's still got that. Um, so Leticia and Lupin, they end up getting thrown out of the plane, but thankfully, uh, Fujiko comes in with a save. Um, I do like how, like, during this whole sequence, um, Jigen, um, catches, uh, Leticia, but then Lupin just falls to the ground, uh, because Jigen is just, like, um... Oh, yeah, that part, that scene was, that scene was comedic, yeah. Yeah, it was comedic, it was funny, Jigen's like, oh, I've, I've got her in my hands, I can't help you, sorry, buddy. Oh yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Lupin's like, thanks for the catch. He's like, oh, I couldn't. I, I was catching her. Okay. I wasn't driving. He's like, yeah, my hands were full. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I um, like that. I, uh, again, the the action scenes in this movie are just fantastic. I, I guess this part two is also another thing. Kind of, I wouldn't say annoyed me. It just kind of was like, well, how okay? But it's just part of that suspension of uh, disbelief where she's able to take like a a biplane, which is it's later turned out to be like a swordfish. Out of a deep dive, going probably seventy kilometers per hour, and amazingly able to turn that plane upright, probably taking like six G's without the the wings ripping on the plane. I thought, I mean, 
I don't know. I, I, it's just interesting seeing something like that happen in the cartoon. The power of animation. Um, and again, this, this movie is not um, trying to be realistic. It's, it's again, trying to be as much of a cartoon anime as it can be. Uh, but it makes for a ton of fun sequences, of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I like, yeah, I, I like playing just like, that's the stuff. Like there's definitely moments when I was watching this movie, where I was like, I mean, this could have just been a live action movie. But then it's like those moments like with the planes and like the you know cars being cut in half and stuff like that where you're like, you know, you had to make it animated. Yeah. And I love and like, that they, they've kind of leaned into it. They're like, this is the medium that we're producing the story in. So let's go for it. We have we don't have, you know, live action limitations. Yeah, I mean, I I I should probably watch the live action Lupin movie just for the hell of it. It got really terrible reviews. I'm surprised how bad the reviews are because it doesn't seem like a a concept that should be that hard to adapt, especially given that one of its big inspirations is James Bond. But um, I don't know. For whatever reason, it did not work out. When you say, what do you mean it did not work out? Well, no, like the movie is bad. I really bad. I hear. Wait, which one? The Lupin live action movie. Oh, okay. a, there is a live action one. I didn't even it was, say critics were bashing this, and I was like, oh, what are you "No, critics about? like this." No, it worked out <laughs> for this movie, but I'm saying like I, there is a a live action. Lupin that was just like a huge failure is it yeah. is it similar to the cowboy bebop live action movie i mean probably in a different way since that in that case that was a japanese live action film so i'm sure it's bad in a, 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 I a bet different you, you know one of the reasons it's bad is that it like probably didn't have much of a budget to pull off like it probably needed like american money to pull it off and then also there is this thing that people do when they're adapting these stories that are coming from like comic books or now, or like, you know, anime or whatever, it's that they go like, oh, we have to like do this style of thing. Like, oh, we gotta like, you know, we gotta be over the top. We gotta like, we're all like, we're all kind of, you know, hamming it up for the camera. And it's like, no, that doesn't work. Cause like, they're not really doing that in, say, when they make like Lupin the Third as an animated movie. It's just like, no, that's like the character and like they're doing the thing. Whereas it always feels like such a deliberate choice. Like, that was the problem with Cowboy Bebop where I was just like, you're, you guys are really like doing some of this weird over the top stuff and like it just in some ways just didn't work out the way I wanted it to like I wanted it to be like grounded in reality like this is more of an acting tip grounded in reality and then you can build up the layers of like going crazier you have to earn it and these shows earn it and a lot of times the adaptions do not earn it yeah I, I mean just knowing knowing what I've seen from um, some other live action um, Japanese anime adaptations it was probably super over the top and just uh, cartoony and then ironically again the fact that like the cast is all Japanese is like well no Lupin is like very clearly like a European man too so that's a whole nother thing well, they yep. gotta they gotta do the reverse uh, scar Joe, right? Yeah, they, they sometimes you got it. Well, it's funny. I I remember um, in, in the Full Metal Alchemist movie, the creator of that uh, manga, she said that she was not happy with the casting because she's like, no, I pictured these people as like all like white European characters. Yeah, Full Metal Alchemist is set in like kind of a uh, Europe or whatever. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's that weird thing, right? It's like I think you know you try to like be just woke enough to be like we don't want to like cause any controversy, but then they like. You know, do stuff where it's like the creator wasn't happy with this. Like, didn't write. Like, why can't a you know, you know, why can't a manga writer uh, write uh, a story that's set in a different part of the world? Why does it always have to be in Japan? Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, the it's sequ- a fine so, balancing line. It's like a fine. Um, the secret. So here's a. Uh, so after the whole um, Lupin and the gang um, reunite, um, there is the problem, of course, of how do how do they get to the eclipse? 
Uh, so Lupin, um, what they do is a, they trick Zenigata into arriving by saying like, hey, here we are, you know, come for us. And then they use like a fake scarecrow Lupin. I love that visual. That was like one of my favorite like gags. Because like, you knew something was up from like there's a shot like when uh, Zenigaga's on the plane with all the SWAT guys, which by the way, hilarious. Like they're always just like he stops and they're all like just like a train behind them just like bumping into each other. I had so much enjoyment watching that stuff. Like, cause that's stuff that you couldn't really pull off lot in like live action. Like that's just, it's just, would be no, it would hard. look, it would look ridiculous. It would just look super duper silly of just, yeah, like the, the train of just like uh faceless guards or, yeah, or but interpol way, agents. But I loved it because you knew from the beginning, it's like something's up. Cause like you only see him, but it's like really like some like dusty and stuff, you know, like, Oh, it's kind of, he's kind of obscured. And then the reveal of it being like a scarecrow, Oh, it's like this was so good. Like, because initially my thought was, oh, maybe it's a loop on, but like he or he's controlling something from like behind a tree or something. But nope, it's just like classic scarecrow. So I'm a big fan of scarecrow loop on. I think that's that, yeah, that slaps. But yeah, they're able to get the jump on uh, Zenigata and his men. But of course, Zenigata, because he has to be still part of the story, he manages t- to uh, to get a hold onto the the plane. And you know, we get to have the roles reverse where uh, Lupin has captured Zenigata. And not the other way around. Why didn't they uh, like they cut to it? Like, why did Zenigaga after he got captured? Why did he have like the makeup on his face? Because was, uh, he, because he drew on Lupin the previous time. Yeah. Okay. That's what, like I knew because it obviously Lupin did it. But then I was like, because I had that moment where I was like, wait, like Lupin wasn't like a clown. Like he didn't like he had the fake mask on at the very first heist. No, he um, like he, he drew on Lupin's face to taunt him. So Lupin drew his face in in revenge. You know. Yeah, I like that. That's a nice payoff. Yeah, nice. Again, there's there's quite a few gags that have payoff uh, in this. Uh, sorry, let me just skip my notes. So yeah, when we get to the eclipse, um, we we do see a Nazi get kind of like smushed, smushed to death or whatever, like kind of like compacted. I thought that was yeah. a an interesting. You know, it, again, it felt very Raiders of the Lost Ark to me. Yeah, I mean, I wish I remembered more of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I feel really, like. really. I just, yeah, I mean, I watched it. I mean, I've watched all the Indiana Jones movies as a kid, and I saw, uh, what is it, Kingdom of the or the Lost, the Crystals. I saw that in theaters when I was in, like, in school, and that was a mistake. <laughs> that movie is so the, the one with actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf? Yes, actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. He was swinging on vines in the forest with monkeys, and then uh, Indiana Jones survives a nuclear blast by hiding in a refrigerator. Classic. That's a classic thing you do. Just the <laughs> a, another animation highlight. I mean, this is very much in the trailers um, to the movie is where um, Lupin has to go through the traps in the eclipse. Um, he uses uh, first of all, uh, for whatever reason, the hat of Arsene Lupin is um, is there. I don't know what the reasoning was um, for why Arsene Lupin's hat was uh, in the eclipse as well. I think it was to signal to Lupin that his grandfather had already been there before him. Um, but anyways, Lupin, he... Um, <laughs> oh, the other thing, too, is when Lupin takes Jigen's hat, because, again, Jigen is a character who, who you're never really supposed to see his full face, so it is such a weird thing, um, thanks to animation, where you can actually see his eyes. Uh, so he takes Jigen's hat and uh, uses it to basically just be like, oh, it turns out um, I'll get fucked up if I go through these traps. And Jigen just doesn't have any hat. He has a fedora, my lady. Okay, fair enough. Fedora. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> well, he um, also in that sequence, they like he like sees the, what is this? It's his grandfather's hat. Like, yeah, it's his, like, it's yeah, Lupin's. Yeah. It's Lupin's like famous uh, Arsene Lupin's famous like top hat or something. Like it's like a part of that character's visual. Oh, I, yeah. We, I I just realized we skipped over the part where we learn about um the samurai guy's sword and like what it's made out of. Oh shit, that was also fun. Yeah. Uh, what was it made of exactly? It was basically but, made out of like a meteorite, like like metals found like in a meteorite. Yeah, and uh, and uh, Goemon is very um, particular about his swords. He loves his swords so much. And so, yeah, it turns out um, the sword can uh, create a uh, bridge that lets them um, get to the next area. But yeah, and, basically uh, it creates like a magnetic field for that, the whatever that stardust to create like an actual walk path. Yeah, and Goemon is just like, uh, you know, I'll be back for you, sweetie. Also, I think we skipped over the part where um, Leticia's uh, grandfather, I guess the adopted grandfather at this point, uh, like basically she gets pushed off the plane. No, we talked about that because that's how she, how the gang gets. Um... Yeah, I, w- I was going to say there's, I'm only bringing that up because I had a thought just now about it that I wanted to like, it was that I didn't understand why they did that because it felt like for them to use um the eclipse machine she needs to be alive like because she's like the rightful like heir to the diary and so it was like it didn't really make sense why they were like she's been you know she like for um the you know the scarred nazi for him to be like she's useless to us now we must push her off because they hadn't gotten to it yet they hadn't like gone to the well, eclipse machine well i think it's because they already unlocked the diary so and was that, that was, oh, was that like all she needed to do? And then yeah. after that, it's like, okay. Cause I was like, I guess that makes a little more sense. I was just, that was the one part where it was a little unclear. I was just like, wait, but like, I felt like they, she needed to be used for the machine. Cause like, obviously afterwards they like, she survives and they still like make her go to the machine. And you know, the, her, the grandfather is basically like, you served me. You have no dreams. <laughs> you served the, you served the third Reich. Yeah, um, I, I, I guess I the only reason I, I thought the similar thing too, but then I thought I mean her adoptive grandfather, I'm assuming, learned the new languages that were also in that text. So I think that's also why they just tossed her out. You know, she also had to just fall out she also just had to fall out so the cast could be together too. <laughs> that's the main reason. I, I guess my my favorite part in that entire sequence was the Nazi with a scar had a, a, a syringe of like whatever he used to inject her with. Yeah, the syringe kind of came out of nowhere. You're like, where, where did the syringe show up? He's just like, I've been waiting to use this. Opens up his like breast coat pocket and then pulls out the syringe. But anyways, we get this really awesome sequence where Lupin he uses um this uh, wh- what would you call the device he uses to get through the traps? It's like it it's like I, shoots out a line that I just assumed uh, it was his uh his watch, just like a James Bond watch that yeah has it's gadgets yeah it, it like lets him have a kind of a little grappling hook or whatever um, that lets him get to the other end. And then we get this whole sequence of like Lupin, Lupin just dodging the traps in quick succession. Um, again, when you watch it, it's just fantastic. Like yeah, it's, and then he finds his uh, grandfather's walking stick cane. Yeah, he gets that and he puts on the hat. So this is, this is like a superhero moment. This is like people, people who have uh, followed Lupin since the sixties, he finally gets to put on the hat and, and have the cane. So, so some old Japanese man is like, finally, I get to see this. All he's missing now is the monocle. 
Oh, yeah, I guess they couldn't find a reason to do that. So anyways, what is it? Um, they make it past the obstacles. But yeah, it turns out it turns out this their enemy's retreat was merely a ruse to clear the path of the eclipse. The eclipse gets activated. It looks like uh, Lupin's team has been killed. Leticia is very upset. Um, and then, yeah, uh, basically Lambert uh, claims his device for himself and he destroys the diary. I don't like it when old things are destroyed. It makes me, I'm a sentimental person, so it makes me mad. I'm like, no, don't destroy the diary. It's like, even even if it's useless, it's still, you know, keepsake. Yeah, I was interested in how fast it, like, burnt. I mean, yeah. Um, quite interesting, especially with a book sealed in that golden lockbox it was in. I mean, it would have been in pristine condition, I think. Yeah, and then Lambert tries, or and no, yeah, uh, Lambert he tries to use the eclipse to destroy Berlin, uh, and Gerald is not happy with that, and so um, he he tries to shoot Letitia when she takes control of the, the device, but but Lambert uh, still loved Letitia uh, enough to die for her, um, but that doesn't change the fact that Lambert still sucked a lot. No, Lambert was horrible. Like it was, he was like he's a. He was a bad man. Uh, he was a bad grandfather. He was a bad historian. Uh, he's not even a very good villain. <laughs> like he was just like, you know, I mean, he's obviously like, you know, sort of has the emotional weight for it. But it was just like, yeah, it was. It made sense that it was like, oh, moving on. I, I mean, I don't think the villains in this movie are particularly uh, great. They're they're there. They exist to move the plot forward. But I wouldn't say that this is these are this is like Lupin versus an iconic villain. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. This is very generic. Like if this was like a TV show, it was like villain of the week types, where they like they don't really have like redeeming qualities. They're just sort of like there because they got to get their you know deed done. In this case, it's you know Third Reich shit. But and then it's like time to go. You you know who is a who is a villain though a real villain uh, Hitler especially old Hitler uh, that's a guy you don't want to fuck with and it turns out old Hitler is alive which makes uh, Geralt very happy. This is like the fourth thing I've seen in like the last five years where it's like the twist is is like Hitler's alive <laughs> like it's like it was, I the most recent one I know is Wolfenstein two or something like that that one had an old Hitler an old yeah, pissing Hitler had an old Hitler a man in the high castle had Hitler uh, an old Hitler um the TV show Hunters with Al Pacino and uh, Logan Lerman uh there's an old Hitler in that um yeah that's a uh, spoiler alert uh, it's a shitty show, and I don't recommend anyone watching it. Uh, it's boring. You know what it is? It's boring. It's, it's 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 a fun concept of like, oh, it's like you know people hunting Nazis in the seventies, uh, but then they just kind of make it boring. Um, and like, and but yeah, it's like the one of the things is like, there's a character who's the whole time is like she's the colonel, like she's like this mysterious like sort of Nazi figure. Uh, like in like kind of hiding and then if we find out she's Ava Braun and that she's married to like Hitler and they both live in like Argentina. Well, that's very stupid. Um anyways, this 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 <laughs> There's movie... an even stupider twist in the final episode where I was like, what the fuck is going on? Well, this this movie uses old Hitler well because it is a surprise. You're like, oh shit, there's old Hitler. Um and he, his men take away Leticia. Um but it turns out Turns out, old Hitler is in fact Lupin, and uh, I love that little reveal. Yeah, that blew kind of blew my mind a little bit. Oh, yeah, it caught you off guard, eh? 
Yeah, it, it, it caught me off guard when I saw him. But then I see when Hitler, quote, unquote, he smiles does smi- at Leticia. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I mean, that kind of, when those moments happened, but like it, t- it took me a second to be like, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, of course, he's the master of disguise. Yeah, because when, when Hitler is uh, going up the eclipse, he, he stands up and he's like, oh, I guess I'm cured. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before finally revealing his ruse. And then, yeah, when Letitia is is taken, uh, it turns out she's taken by Jigen. And then um, when when we see that Interpol has already uh, defeated the Nazis, we get a fun little flashback sequence of the Lupin gang uh, fucking up the Nazis, including Goemon, of course, you know, just removing their clothes. Um, not, not, not actually killing them, just removing their clothes with his very sharp sword. We did see, however, I think... Oh, yeah. One of the characters kill at least three Nazis in that sequence. They they're definitely dead, but we don't see it enough. There's no blood or anything, so it's very quick. Yeah, it's just enough where you're like, okay, I, it's that it's that like it's that classic PG thirteen violence where you're like, oh, a lot of like death and destruction happened, <laughs> but like it's all good because uh, none of the deaths were gory. Oh, we also did see the three Nazis that were in that uh, alien hidden civilization area when the uh eclipse weapon was removed they got crushed by the falling debris oh yeah that one was actually kind of brutal i was like i felt bad for the henchmen in that part where it's like they're getting fucked over like they just like they're like what's going on and then like these yeah giant like rocks are just like plunk 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 they're just like they're dead so anyways back on the eclipse um lupon and and gerald they get into a fight um lupon creates like a micro black hole that's like gonna take out the eclipse from within um gerald falls uh into the eclipse and uh lupon <laughs> lupon uh gives him a parting gift of the fake photo of hitler he he said here's a parting gift you've earned it and um i'm not sure gerald earned that he's a fucking nazi you shouldn't give him a parting gift well also it's like well you don't do you really want to like hold on to this photo it's like look at me i'm dressed as hitler <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, let, it, let it go and like let it be like you can be in your like fucking you know crazy you know cult. I I also like when um Gerald is uh trying to uh shoot Lupin with with the quote unquote Hitler gun. Uh, Lupin reveals he took out the bullets earlier, which is something he does uh, earlier in the movie as well. So nice little callback. Yeah, this this movie's got quite a few callbacks. It's got uh that callback. It's got the uh the fake face callback. Sure, yeah. there's sure there's another call. Oh yeah, and of course it's got the uh. The Zenigata Lupin uh, makeup callback. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like you can, you know, this is like a very well written and structured movie because of like that. It's like it's you know that it's the setup and callbacks and like you know sometimes, especially in heist movies, it's so easy to like get lost in the details. So I, I did appreciate appreciate that. I mean, even you know the fact is that you know they set up like you know Boston University and the fact that you know Letitia's got you know her like. I guess it was like her essay or something. And then, you know, by the end, it's like, you know, Lupin, you know, at the very end of the movie, it's like, oh, I, already, I stole it and sent it and you're in. <laughs> yep. And now you're going you to Boston University. And get out of the fucking series. This is it for you. Yeah. See you in five years. Wink, wink, never. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, exactly. Also, it's the 60s. And uh, I guess you're dead in the ones set in the present day. So there's a whole nother uh, thing. That or it's like a Peggy Carter, uh, Captain America situation in which he's extremely oh, no. old. <laughs> if, if they did that, um, there, um, 
And Lupin the fourth, Lupin um, no, I, the third. I, I was, you go. Uh, so I was saying in Lupin the third part four of the TV series, there is um, Lupin's uh, fake wife. She's like the main character. She's like the main girl of that whole series, and she actually does reappear uh, in the final episode of Lupin the third part five. So yeah. Um, I really like those series. I haven't watched uh, part six, which as of this recording had just finished like a month ago. Um, but yeah, it's a good time to be a Lupin fan. You have so many options. You can watch um, the series. You can watch the specials. You can watch this movie. Um, and I'm sure this will not be the last of them either. No, it feels like this is like just it's like the right formula for it to just kind of keep going on and on. And I and I you know doing a little you know research. I think Monkey Punch has said like this story could just kind of go on forever. So that's what the movie ends with. Um, it, it ends with a quote with Monkey Punch. It says, I'd like to keep sending Lupin out for adventures all over the world. So, yeah, shed a tear. But hey, you know, he lived a good life. I mean, that, it's it's his legacy, right? It, it's the thing of like he's starting something and then like, you know, someone can, you know, if it's like a relay race, someone can grab his baton and then take it to the next level. Like it's not, it's like Ian Fleming, right? It's like obviously Ian Fleming, Sir Ian Fleming, rather, sorry. Uh, Sir Ian Fleming, you know, he's been dead for, you know, decades, but, you know, people still love and enjoy James Bond, and there's always, like, an appetite for more. Uh, I mean, if Amazon gets its way, we'll get, like, shitty television shows. But uh, but I think the producers at Bake had an iron glass. You know, they, they're holding on tight, and they're like, no, <laughs> we're doing it this way. I, I so. saw they announced uh, a James Bond reality style show where it's like James Bond adventures. I think I think we are going to definitely get a James Bond TV show like Young James Bond or something like that. It's it's going to happen. Probably. I think they did something like that in like the 80s. And that's probably yeah. why they like were like, not again. <laughs> we got Not again. Or, or maybe they can say, well, we've done it before, so we can still get away with it. Um, I, I doubt it. I think it'll be more of like they, they the idea has to be so good that they are like, yeah, we'll do it. The the IP gods demand blood. Everything yeah. uh, must be made. The great news is Lupin. The IP gods uh, have been you know have been serviced uh, because Lupin can just kind of keep going. <laughs> well, I mean the the gods of public domain because again this 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 whole series um, this is from this was from our history segment the first time. But the reason Lupin the Third even exists is because uh, Japan did uh, not honor copyright law during the sixties. Oh yeah, yeah, because it's. <laughs> Yeah, and like they, the the estate of um, the Arsene Lupin estate tried to sue them in like the seventies, but by that point it was just like already um, within the public consciousness, and they couldn't do anything. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Um, it, it is. Yeah. I like um, it that it's like this way. It's like more of like screw it. We're we're not we're not recognizing it, and like yeah, we spent like you know years up until like twenty fifteen, like Warner Brothers uh, publishing. Was they able to just like collect bogus checks for anyone who did like who's saying like happy birthday in like movies and television shows until like court was like you this should never have been copywritten this is like clearly not yours and so they had it they ended up having to return like 20 million dollars worth of licensing fees to people i didn't know that was uh the whole story behind that I yeah that, uh led yeah. to um all right and i guess it's time for our favorite segment uh who is the speed wagon of this episode uh sasha cue the music Speed wagon, 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 speed wagon. Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert EO Speedwagon. So for those just joining in, the Speedwagon is our favorite supporting character from this movie. Uh, I'll go first with a controversial take. 
uh, because I believe that given that Leticia is definitely the main character of this movie, I would make Lupin the speed wagon of this movie. Oh, what? Okay. Uh, hmm. Okay, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's still obviously the, 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 co- the, the co-male the lead, but yeah. Yeah, he's the titular character too. He is the titular character, but you know, it's uh, Leticia who gets the real arc. Although I guess there's some stuff with Lupin and the whole Arsene thing they try and tie it into, but... Yeah, um, and then also there's like his grandfather and like yeah, that's like, what I mean. Arsene tying yeah, into I guess them. Arsene, you're right, Arsene. I yeah. I just think of him as uh, the grandfather's Lupin uh, the first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lupin. you can also make the argument screen time as well on who has the longest amount. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, the thing is. I like this movie. I think this movie is very good. But in terms of supporting characters, uh, as I said earlier, I think it maybe it doesn't do them dirty, but it just kind of expects you to know them. So you're just like, yeah, you know, Zenigata can do a Zenigata thing. Um, Fujiko can, you know, betray, but then honor Lupin. Uh, Goemon loves his sword. Uh, Jigen is good at shooting. Um, unless there's like some maybe, I, I don't even think there were really any like one liner characters in this. Um, no, like this movie's so fast and like it's so contained because it's a heist movie that like uh, yeah, this is like another example of something that's harder to come up with like a speed wagon. I think speed wagons are easier to figure out or like to pick when it's like from a television show where like you know there's characters who are like in one episode and we're covering like five. Um, but actually, it's funny. I'm gonna kind of hop on this like Lupin train. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna pick Lupin, but it's not the Lupin that you're expecting my speed wagon is scarecrow Lupin. uh that i love that moment uh it was like one of my favorite moments in this whole uh movie uh i just love the design of it and just like it's like just like just crappy enough uh that it like works <laughs> like it was just like i just loved how like quick it was made and like just like it has the same hair and everything but it's like so janky like i don't know i loved uh yeah just scarecrow Lupin. so that's you- my pick I respect that pick. What about you, Shane? Oh, this is a tough one. My my speed wagon out of this episode. Oh, I actually gonna have to think about this. Um, I don't want to go with the Nazi because yeah, that was the Nazis. other thing. Yeah, that's the other thing. I couldn't pick those guys. Yeah, you can't uh, pick a Nazi. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. You get like, there's not like, oh, this. Uh, I like this Nazi, and you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> you know what? My my speed wagon. It's actually gonna be. A, a form of a wagon, the the Lupin's car, the Fiat uh, or the inspired uh, Fiat 500 car that unfortunately gets destroyed by that uh, Nazi water plane. Yeah, that's a good car. I like that. <laughs> we did it. We had a, another person has picked another car in this segment. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I, I was going to say for me, a close second was it wasn't one person, but it was all of uh, um, guys yeah. like, the, like, the visual gay, yeah, the Interpol agents of just like you know running and like bashing into him and just like like I love that there was the two uh, Interpol guys who are like when he's ra- guys running to the plane, just like have their arms up ready to like I guess like shoot him up into the sky. Oh yeah, that, that was great. As if that was gonna work and just like. I, you know, just the fact that they're always like bunched together. Like, there's another shot early in the movie where, like, Zenagaga, when um, Lupin is on the roof and hit, like, he comes out of an elevator 
it's like him the men it's like clearly there's like probably like 30 people in that elevator <laughs> it was like i don't know this that those visual gags are great so i'm gonna give that as a second and um I, but i yeah i respect your choices Shane's Great. more than Jack's. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I, I respect those choices. I wish I came up with them uh, instead. Um, but anyways, uh, final thoughts for Lupin the third, the first. Um, yeah, this is a really delightful movie. I think everyone should watch it. I think it's definitely a high point in uh, 3D CG anime, which uh, is a very controversial subject in the anime community. Uh, there, there have been some very bad examples um, not just movies, but especially TV shows. Um, the the 2016 adaptation of Berserk is like famously terrible. It looks like a PS2 game, and I'm not joking. It it looks like a PS2 game. Uh, so you know, I'm glad that I'm glad that also like a non Ghibli studio is like actually the one to set uh, the standard for for this uh, kind of uh, medium or or sub genre medium or whatever. So yeah, it's. Again, this movie is like Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's a fun adventure uh, heights movie. Uh, the Lupin, the Lupin cast is always fun. Uh, there will there will be more adventures with them to come. There have been more adventures since this movie was released, and uh, so on and so forth. So I, yeah, I think you made an interesting point. I think you know now it's like you know Studio uh, Ghibli is kind of like going through like a new arc, especially with. Uh, um, yeah, Miyazaki is going to die sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'll just get back to my part. Yeah, it's like I think Studio Ghibli is going to be like kind of you know going through a next chapter with Miyazaki. You know, most likely you know he'll you know pass away in the next you know ten fifteen years. Um, you know, and I think it'll be interesting to see how they react to that and like how much his influence was needed for them to be successful, or if they have enough talent that they've cultivated to like lead in the next charge because that like i think you mentioned earlier in the podcast like you know their you know their introduction into 3d's you know anime wasn't very successful with the hedwick movie and yeah it'll be interesting to see how they like respond and kind of go forth with it because yeah this almost feels like it could have been a, a studio ghibli especially considering they did like that castle um of Cagliostro, Cagliostro, but I think the rights are are owned by TMS. That's the whole issue. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I fucked it up. We haven't you know covered it yet. So, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> but that's the funny thing about this whole Lupin thing. It's like if you wanted me to, you know, I chose to cover the TV show um, first because I think the TV show is like kind of like the core of what Lupin is. Uh, we had fun watching that like fifty episodes ago. And yeah, even though, you know, I've watched Ca- Castle of Cagliostro a couple times, but um, I don't know if it's my favorite Lupin thing. Um, like I said earlier, I really want to cover the woman called Fujiko Mine because uh, it is just, again, it's it's fucking dark Lupin. It's Lupin that fucks. There's there's a lot of boobs in every episode. Uh, oh, there's God. a lot of there's a lot of violence. Um, yeah, it's uh, very much again. We're watching PG uh, Gentleman Thief Lupin. <laughs> oh, I think we're definitely going to have to cover that show at some point just for the contrast. You know what I mean? Po- yeah, possibly. Um, um, what about but- you, Shane? What are your thoughts? I thought it was a good movie. Um, I liked it a lot. I, I've, I've never seen any of the Lupin anime stuff before, so watching this, like you said, um, how you, you said earlier, Jack, that it's like a great introduction to the Lupin franchise. I definitely could see myself watching more again after this one. Uh, but one little thing I did notice in the uh, 
intro title title sequences of like the studios and all that is i mean this is just a minor uh trivia but toho company limited is also one of the producers of like the old gods or yeah old godzilla movies as well that makes sense yeah i can see that like it seems like they're yeah probably connected to all those you know classic titles like godzilla yeah, I mean, Toho, I think Toho uh, has like a lot of connections, obviously. They're just a huge company, you know? Yeah, I think Toho, it feels like they're sort of like a Japanese equivalent to say like a Warner Brothers or like, um, or Sony. I guess Sony's started in Japan, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll just take that again. It seems like, you know, Toho is like, you know, their kind of comparison is probably like Warner Brothers, Paramount. <laughs> Oh, I think those studios. That, that's probably the other thing. I think Toho is also probably uh, is the main connector to international distribution because I've seen like the Toho logo pop up in like everything uh, yeah. when I've seen anime films. So apparently they, yeah, apparently they've been connected with like Universal Pictures and like uh, Paramount in the past. So so it's like a dis- distribution thing. We're watching the uh, the American movie, of course, the uh, the dub. So I think. Yeah, that, that should have been clear. I mean, uh, yeah, that's the other thing. The dub actors, I thought they did a good job. Yeah, um, they've they've been the main Lupin actors for for quite a while. Um, yeah, the voices with... sounded familiar from like the previous it's, time we covered it's, it. It's the same actors, yeah. I actually watched the uh, subtitle version. Oh shit! Oh, how was that? Well, um, I would like to hear the dub version because I'm I wasn't if, I want to say I I want to say the subtitle was bad. But I definitely would like to hear how the dub version sounded. I mean, that's the thing. Um, you know, the, the Lupin, it also makes sense for Lupin, again, given the fact that this is like set in like Europe and whatever. So, yeah, it's not even like makes sense for the setting. Although I suppose Zenigata is Japanese and Fujiko is, but whatever. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, do we want to get into plugs? I kind of did. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think the, my, my quick final thoughts, because I've been interjecting, is, yeah, this was enjoyable. Uh, it's kind of, you know, cl- classic Lupin, it seems. Uh, I, you know, I think there's, like, a bit of, like, a disposable element to this movie where it's, like, I'm not going to necessarily remember the, like, the heist, and I'm not going to, like, remember, like, oh, this is, like, had this thing to do with, like, the Eclipse machine and, like, the rest of it. But, like, there are definitely sequences that, you know, I, I enjoyed and, like, like you said, I think the animation was uh, really well done, especially for 3D. And um, I mean, it's worth wa- it's a, worth a watch. Uh, I think this also would appeal to a lot of people who are not like anime fans, but like are just like fans of like heist movies and maybe animated movies. So it's like if you're looking for something for like, you know, you know, say especially like preteen and up, like this is like a good thing to put on. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree with you. So I guess it's time for uh for plugs, folks. Um, Shane, where do you want to be found? Uh, you can find me on Twitch.tv/spetsnick. I actually recently got a um, like a I recently got into a Digital Combat Simulator (DCS). So it's like flying like real planes, real combat planes from like the forties to present. And so I actually have the flight stick uh throat uh like the throttle as well. And I recently got some pedals to help play the game. Uh, I've been having a great time, so I'll probably be streaming that every once in a while. Uh, what about you, Jack? Uh, yeah, you can find me at Jack is Jack on Instagram and only real Jack M on Twitter. What about you, Malcolm? Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Malcolm R. J. McLeod. You can also find me on Twitter at Malcolm R. J. McLeod. Um, 
you know, you, you can also uh, follow the podcast at Is This Anime Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Admittedly, we're a little more active on Instagram. Uh, and if, yeah, if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple, you know, any podcast uh, streaming service that like allows you to like give stars, give a rating, uh, please uh, do so. It really helps a small podcast like us out a lot. And like suggestions from the past from people who've listened have, you know, fueled episodes nowadays, like, you know, in terms of what we're covering. So, you know, Feel free to reach out. Feel free to suggest things uh, because it really you know, helps uh, and shapes the podcast. So really appreciate everyone who's listened so far. And uh, I hope you keep uh, listening uh, more, especially if you're new to this uh, podcast because you're just a Lupin fan and you discovered us or if you've been uh, here for a while. So, yeah, uh, I think that about covers it. Uh, I don't know if there's anything more we sh- can add. So you think we're uh, good to go with this? We are good to go. All right. Well, uh, that about does it. Uh, And remember, when you're playing the game of Secret Hitler, the Secret Hitler (laughs) was Lupin all along. Bye! Later, Power Bottoms. (laughs) 